0: What's up, guys? This is your best friend, Dave Pancakes, and welcome to the Paranormal Pancakes podcast. This is a little idea I've had for a while now. You know, I've always liked all the UFOs and aliens and Bigfoot and all that chicken shit. And you know, since the world has ended and we have all this free time because I'm not commuting into New York 400 days a week, wasting hours upon hours of my day, I decided to make up this cute little nifty podcast. And um, before I get any further, I want to give a huge shout out to uh, Ryan Bust for letting me this spectacular audio equipment. And an uh, even bigger shout out to my insanely hot sugar bear, Corey, who is uh, supporting me 100% all the time. Dun dun dun. Really digging that creepy theme song music from, uh, That that's from our buddy Ryan Bust Who uh, so graciously let me use His song in the pod As part of the theme song uh, So a big Thank you to Rai. Uh, I just want to give a quick disclaimer. I want to apologize in advance for the shit audio editing that I'm going to attempt to perform. I am still learning this, uh, little software that they got for this podcast editing. And, uh, just bear with me. It'll get better, I promise. But, uh, alrighty, my friends. Let's dig in. <laughs> Gotta watch out for those surprise air horn sound effects. And, uh, believe me. I got a lot of other sound effects that I'm gonna drop on all you peeps. Uh so be prepared for some sick nasty sound plugins, bruh. Alrighty, so twenty twenty. I guess in a nutshell you can say it has been one huge giant shit sandwich, you know. It was just seems like yesterday back in January where we were on the verge of World War Three, which was cute. Um, and then how could we forget the lovely uh australian wildfires that killed like every goddamn kangaroo out there and you know what else happened there oh r.i.p kobe bryant and his daughter were killed in that horrific helicopter accident which was an absolute buzzkill and um last but certainly not least this uh coronavirus uh definitely uh no bueno as uh, you know it continues to, uh, ravage our, our country, you know, as well as, you know, most of the world, if not all the world. But there is a little bit of good news. Well, I don't know if it's good news, but I would say it's at least very interesting news, news nonetheless. So last week, July 23rd, the New York Times released an article said, No longer in the shadows, Pentagon's UFO Union will now make some findings public. The article was co-authored by Ralph Blumenthal and Leslie Keene. Now this, now this dude, Ralph, has been writing at the New York Times for 45 years. And uh, my girl Leslie Keene, she wrote a really good book called UFOs, Generals, Pilots, and government officials go on the record. And it's like an in depth dive about, like, you know, all these, like, legitimately good UFO cases that, you know, they have all this, like, scientific data. You know, they get all these people who are high up in the government to, uh, you know, actually go on the record and talk about their experiences and, you know, what happened to them. So these aren't just like the, the New York Times didn't just give this to, like, you know, two interns. They were like, all right, go find out about little green Man, dudes. You know, this is like, legitimate journalists who, you know, really did their digging and, you know, really did their research, which, you know, gives at the very least, you know, a little bit of credibility, if not a lot of credibility to the whole story. So this article was essentially the sequel to an article The Times published back in December of 2017, where they talk about how there was this uh, Pentagon program called the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, also known as AATIP uh, for us in the biz, uh, where, you know, the detail that, you know, this agency would, uh, you know, look into these, like, unidentified, you know, um, UFOs. And that doesn't necessarily mean they're aliens. I mean, they're probably, most of these things are probably just, like, you know, the high-tech drones, so, but yeah, it was ran by this dude, uh, Luis Elizondo. Who, to be honest, looks like he loves monster trucks and has never met a hamburger that he did not love. Try and imagine, like, a thick Fred Durst. So this is the guy who was in charge of reviewing all this information at the Pentagon. So we can essentially, you know, thank this beefcake for a kind of a getting this started and kicking this off. And he created a uh, program, actually not really a program, it's kind of like an organization, and it's called To The Stars, uh, TTSA, it's actually To The Stars Academy, which is kind of according to if you ask me, but, and so this is like dedicated to like, you know, research and like trying to like dive deeper into, uh, you know, the UFO phenomena. but also too, it's kind of funky that in this, in this company, they also have an entertainment division, so I think they're going to try and make like movies and TV shows and whatnot, mm-hmm. which would be kind of cool, but... But we would be remiss if we didn't uh, mention uh, our boy Tom DeLong from Blink 182 has also been uh, looped into this whole uh, fiasco, which is uh, kind of crazy. Dude went from being in Blink to a little fun pop punk band, and now he is on the forefront of uh, finding all these crazy UFO things. So, anyways. Tom DeLong and this guy Luis Elizondo who are, you know, pushing this forward. You know, there's actually senators that, you know, are getting behind this. There's a a senator from Nevada named Harry Reid who's, you know, he's been pushing to kind of have this uh, UFO information more into the public's eye. And actually, this last article, um, the one that came out on July 23rd, States, Senator Marco Rubio, the Florida Republican who is the acting chairman of the Senate Select Committee of Intelligence, told a CBS affiliate in Miami this month that he's primarily co- concerned about reports of unidentified aircraft over American military bases and that it is the government's interest to find out who was responsible. He also expressed concerns that Russia or China or some other adversary has made some technological leap that allows them to conduct this sort of activity. Then he sort of, like, attempts to downplay it, and he is quoted as saying, maybe there is completely, sort of, a boring explanation for us, but we need to find out. So clearly Marco Rubio sucks for a whole other litany of issues, but, you know, it was an interesting quote nonetheless. But the main reason I wanted to focus on the article was because what was mentioned next, like, the next three paragraphs are, like, hella bonkers. So it goes it goes as such Eric W. Davis, an astrophysicist who worked as a subcontractor and then a consultant for the Pentagon UFO program since 2007, said that in some cases, examinations of the materials had so far failed to determine their sources and led them to conclude quote-unquote, we could not make this ourselves. The constraints on discussing classified programs and the ambiguity of information slighted in unclassified slides from briefings have put officials who studied UFOs in the position of stating their views without presenting any hard evidence. Mr. Davis, who now works for Aerospace Corporation, a defense contractor, said he gave a classified briefing to a defense department agency as recently as March about retrievals for quote-unquote off-world vehicles not made on this earth. So essentially last week we found out that UFOs, but now they're calling them UAPs, which means Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon have been recovered, and no one knows who's making them or where they're coming from. And it, like, got, like, zero coverage. I mean, albeit we are clearly having a ton of on-earth issues that, uh, we gotta, like, straighten out first, you know, like, uh, the pandemic being one of them. But, you know, given that, uh, Trump is hell-bent on getting as many people infected as possible and downplaying the severity of this whole thing, it's definitely gonna be a bit of an uphill battle, so, uh, it's gonna be a fun next year or so. Anyway, the reason why I want to give this backstory is because as I mentioned before, I, I wanted to been wanting to do this podcast for a while now, so the past couple the past week or so I started doing research on what I wanted to do. The first episode's gonna be about Roswell. But then all of a sudden this uh this little news story drops about how, you know, they've basically admitted that there's been a crash unidentified objects recovered. So I was like, you know what? Let me uh, incorporate this into the first ep, so I can kind of, uh, you know, lay a nice foundation. You know, there was a bunch of people online talking about how the New York Times was going to be dropping this huge UFO story, um, and I said, and all the people who provide the quote-unquote UFO news, it's usually a bunch of hogwash. So you know, you really can't take it seriously. Maybe every once in a while you'll get like a, like a crash or something or something that kind of piques your interest, but. I really didn't think anything was going to come to this magnitude anytime soon, and yet here we are. So, um, at some point I'm definitely going to want to take a deeper dive into the articles and really get into the nitty-gritty of everything else that they found and, you know, get a little more details, but as for now, uh, let's dig into Roswell, peeps. Roswell. This is the OG of UFO events. It happened in 1947 in, you guessed it, Roswell, New Mexico. And this is the first and only time that the military had admitted that they had wreckage from a flying saucer. And then the next day they had changed the story. They were like, psych, we were just kidding. It was something completely different. So without further ado, let's gather around for a little story time my friends. I have my trusty Jurassic Park mug here filled with piping hot tea with a little bit of honey and I am now ready to roll bro. So it's July 4th weekend in Roswell, New Mexico. Everybody's getting pumped and ready for the long weekend. Everybody's getting ready to to chug some beers, hang out, and just relax. But uh oh there's a there's a thunderstorm rolling in dudes. Ah uh, shit. Bummer party is moving indoors. So as you know, as the com- as the, the community of cattle ranchers is in their homes, seeking shelter from the storm, there is a rather a loud boom. Now I know that there is a storm, but this was not a, a thunder boom. This was a boom unlike. They had ever heard before so the next day rancher mac brazel is surveying his property and he comes across a, a debris field about two football fields long two football fields and um there's a bunch of shit everywhere all the lands all fudged up and he gets to the end and he's like jiminy crickets there's a freaking flying saucer On my yard, bruh. So Mac goes into town and, uh, you know, he's in a bit of a panic. You know, he doesn't know what the heck crashed into his yard. Um, And also, too, uh, let's keep it real, he wants to clean it up because uh, he's got cattle on his farm that gotta start munching on some grass, dudes. So he goes down to the police station and he speaks with the Sheriff Wilcox. He's like, Sheriff, you're not gonna believe what crashed into my yard. A flying disc. Now sheriff wilcox kind of thought he was uh he's like dude are you are you are you smoking something because a couple of weeks before there was actually another ufo sighting it wasn't a crash but it was a sighting up in mount rainier washington kenneth arnold he was piloting a small plane and he had witnessed nine flying saucers and it was a huge news story it was all over the place so you know, Sheriff Wilcox kind of thought that you know maybe this guy uh, Big Mac Big Mac Brazel was uh, trying to get a little attention. So the sheriff wasn't really you know buying the uh, the story here. So Mac decides to go to the next best thing. So he goes to the the local radio's uh, the local radio DJ, this guy named Frank Joyce. So Mac Brazel tells Joyce about you know he gave him the lowdown about what he found in his yard. Same thing. This guy Joyce doesn't buy it, but it's a slow news day, so he decides that you know what—he'll air out it. He'll air the story out regardless. And boy, howdy, uh, you won't believe what happened next. Oh so well Frank Joyce and uh, Sheriff Wilcox didn't believe our buddy Big Mac Brazel's initial claims, uh, the military sure did because the next day the Air Force came down in droves and was quarantining everybody in Roswell. If you were a cattle rancher and you were in town picking up supplies, guess what buddy? You're not getting back to your ranch until the Air Force says so and vice versa. If you were stuck on your uh, little cattle ranch, uh, you're not getting off until they say so. So, which was a problem for the ranchers who were not at their ranch at the time, because since it was a quarantine and it actually lasted for a few days, they were unable to take care of some of their livestock, and uh, as a consequence, some of uh, some of those livestocks sadly passed away. But I guess it was a uh, price that the Air Force was willing to pay, unfortunately, that did turn out so great for the ranchers, but, you know, they wanted to lock down the area while they, uh, secured this, uh, flying disc that they, they did find on Mac's, allegedly find on Mac Brazil's property. One of the other, uh, gentlemen that was one of the first, uh, guys on the ground kind of, uh, examining all the, uh, debris and whatnot was a gentleman named Jesse Marcel, who was a major, um, in the Air Force. After they had, uh, all, you know, examined, uh, the wreckage, you know, Walter Halt, uh, Jesse Marcel, uh, and everybody else in the military, they had determined that, yes, this was indeed a flying saucer, uh, So they decided to have a little press conference. Actually, I wouldn't even call this a press conference. This was just like a little media announcement where they were going to announce their findings. So I want to play a little clip of, uh, you know, how this all went down.
1: Morning of July 8th, press secretary from the military base, Walter Hall, came down to the radio station
0: and gave Frank Joyce all he needed. Uh, He told him, hey, listen, we've recovered the wreckage from a flying disc. Um... It is in our possession. We're taking it to Fort Worth, Texas, where we're going to do further tests on it. And, you know, that was all he really needed. Uh, He ran with the story, and it didn't take long before it had spread around the globe. And you have to think, this was the biggest news bulletin at the time to ever come out. And it was the only time that the
1: U.S. government admitted that they had wreckage of a flying disc.
0: So that clip was from a documentary called Roswell, 70 years later, where clearly uh, they talk about Roswell, 70 years after the fact, but it's a pretty interesting documentary. It's a little low budget, kind of corny, so uh, right up my alley. But So Walter just kind of nonchalantly messaged to uh, DJ Frank Joyce that, you know, obviously they had recovered a flying disc. And uh, you know he didn't say it was alien, but they didn't know what it was, so they were gonna examine it further. And clearly, he just you know like they like they just said takes off and runs with the story. And uh, looks like the uh, the higher up people in the military did not take too kindly uh, to that notion. Literally later that day, Mac Brazel, uh, Jesse Marcel, Walter Holt, and others who were on site working on the crash retrieval were taken into custody by the FBI and they were told to deny everything about the crashed disk and that they were to, you know, admit that they had made a mistake and it was actually a weather balloon. So this led to a general by the name of Roger M. Ramey who was, uh, you know, in the Air Force. So he released a memo stating that the object that had crashed was merely a weather balloon. And this was essentially meant to kind of kill the story and, you know, kind of, you know, make the uh, media lose interest because, you know, you got this high-level official official who was like, Nah, brass, nothing crazy. It was just a silly little weather balloon. And it actually worked for uh, about 30 years. Uh, You know, nobody really kind of touched the story and a lot of people lost interests. But our boy Jesse Marcel remained very stern in uh, his account of what actually went down uh, that very fateful day. I found a, cl- a clip of him on YouTube. The quality's not too great, but I'm going to share it anyway because it's interesting because he, he
1: gives us a, uh, you know, a first-hand account of what went down. So uh, here it is, peeps. None of the materials that we picked up weighed anything.
2: It looked like it was weightless. You couldn't feel that you had anything in your hands. I found one piece of metal, what looked like metal anyway. It was not flexible, but it was as thin as a fall in a pack of cigarettes. It was that thin. One of my boys told me, said, there's something unusual here. He said, uh, I tried to make a dent in this metal, He says, you can't bend it. You can't make a mark on it. He says, I took a sledgehammer and and whammed it. I put it on the ground and whammed it. The sledgehammer sledgehammer bounced off of it. He told me not to say anything. He says, I'll handle it from now on. And that's exactly what he did. When he came out, he said, he told uh, the press that was there. He said, uh, that was nothing but a weather balloon, crashed weather balloon. It was definitely not a weather balloon and uh, it was an aircraft so what it could have been i wouldn't know i still don't know they took pictures of so jesse
0: just maintained that what he had saw was not a weather balloon but in fact some sort of aircraft now that doesn't necessarily mean it's alien but uh it was just some uh, unknown aircraft that you know we'll never know what he will never know what it was so And like I said previously, so, you know, once that announcement from General Rami about it just being a weather balloon really put some, uh, some cold water on this and, uh, was able to swipe it under the rug for the next 30 years until our boy, Stan Friedman. So Stan Friedman is like a UFO researching god. Um, he actually just passed away last year, uh, R.I.P., But he started, you know, digging around in the late 70s because, you know, he had heard about, you know, that there was a crash in Roswell. There was allegedly some bodies, you know, allegedly a craft, but the government kind of swiped it under the rug. So he and a uh, a few other authors were attempting to write a book about it, but they kept getting stonewalled. You know, they didn't get any leads. You know, nobody really wanted to talk because people were afraid of going on the record. Only had taken them, uh, you know, about 20 years to write. Get the Air Force to uh, release a statement and, uh, you know, conduct a uh, "quote unquote" internal investigation on what actually happened. So, according to the Air Force, the, uh, the "quote unquote" weather balloon that crashed at the Roswell at, at, at the Roswell location was a was a weather balloon that was part of something called Project Mogul, which was a top secret program that had. Weather balloons that were controlled from the ground that were taking uh, measurements from the atmospheric weather, but they also had microphones in them that were detecting vibrations to spy on the Russians that were trying to develop nuclear weapons at the time, and that the bodies that were found at at the crash site were merely crash test dummies. Now, another interesting aspect about the document that you know the team that developed. Um, these weather balloons were uh, were a part of something called Operation Paperclip. Now, Operation Paperclip uh, was a, uh, a mission, if you will, that brought over German and Nazi scientists after World War II um, to have them work on U.S. rocket technology. Um, so they were like, you know, instead of putting you in jail for the Holocaust and everything. We're gonna give you guys some sweet jobs. You guys are gonna live in the desert and build rockets. So I'm gonna play you guys another clip from that um, Roswell 70 years later documentary that kind of talks about some of the experiments that uh, these scientists from Operation Paperclip would perform. It's a bit long, but it is just absolutely mind boggling.
3: didn't really start to surface till the late 70s, when a lot of retired military people came forward claiming to have seen these unusual bodies. The Air Force would not comment on the bodies angle until 1997, when quite out of the blue, they decided to put out a report. Saying that there were bodies after all, but they were crash test dummies used in high altitude balloon and parachute experiments. Even the, you know, the hardcore skeptical people wonder why the Air Force has decided, if you like, or felt it had to change its opinion and its views multiple times. Now, for me, what I did, which a lot of people haven't done, is to look at what else was going on in New Mexico at the time that the Roswell event occurred. What we know for sure is that at the end of the Second World War, the American government created a highly classified program called Operation Paperclip, and that was designed to bring over all the top um, German Nazi scientists who've been working on rocketry and advanced aircraft programs during the Second World War. And of course, when the Germans were defeated, uh, we didn't want them to fall into the hands of the Russians because the Russians might have developed the technology quicker than us. So the race was on to grab these German scientists, bring them over to the US and have them continue their work in the United States and of all places most of the research into rocketry and advanced aircraft in the post-war era occurred in new mexico Also in New Mexico, you had the Los Alamos labs, where the atomic bomb was developed. You had the White Sands Missile Range, where again a lot of the Germans were taken. And then suddenly, quite out of the blue, you have this strange object, this strange device, come down on what was called at the time the Foster Ranch in Lincoln County, New Mexico. And there was this huge field of debris and rumors of strange bodies now the body's angle is the one that convinces many ufologists that what came down was an alien spacecraft because the the bodies were described as being only about four and a half to five feet tall One of the darker aspects of Operation Paperclip was that they weren't just working on rocketry and high-altitude balloons. They needed to know and wanted to know what the effects would be on the human body by exposure to incredibly high altitudes. Not much was known about that at the time. And we know from some of the files that have been declassified through the Freedom of Information Act that on a number of occasions, people, handicapped people, were taken from asylums, from hospitals, uh, even people from state prisons, and kind of given this, you know, the the, the kind of uh, offer you cannot refuse, that kind of thing. and in some cases they were physically handicapped and i actually got hold of a number of official files declassified under the terms of freedom of the freedom information act which talked about how people with a condition called progeria had been used in some experiments um radiation experiments in 47 progeria is a very strange and rare condition where the person ages at a very quick rate most people die for about from the effects at the age of about 15 to 20 at the most. And they have a lot of uh, physical disabilities as well, such as uh, an oversized head, no hair, very skinny, thin bodies, and um, and not fully formed um, sexual organs. So in other words, they almost fit in the archetypal image that people have of aliens. So you put all these issues together and as i've done and you can actually make a good case that what came down at roswell had nothing to do with aliens but had everything to do with highly classified military experiments that involve people used as guinea pigs
0: again sorry for the lengthy clip and not so great audio but i just wanted to show you the the lengths of which these experiments were going out there it's like truly horrific you know the military was unfortunately Okay with Killing and torturing Handicapped people You know I mean they did Bring the Nazis over To conduct these experiments So clearly They had no moral compass From the get go I mean the whole thing Is just insane But In the clip uh, That I just played the, the man talking Is a man named Nick Redfern Who was in all these Types of UFO Alien shows And uh, He mentions This disease called Progeria So I did a little dig in on The good old Google And uh You know If the images Are really intense It's uh it's quite the genetic disorder where like he said, it appears like your aging is um, going quickly than the rest of your body. So, you know, a 15 year old looks like they have the features of like a 60 year old and, but it's a very rare condition. There's only about a thousand per year reported in the U.S. Uh, who are diagnosed with it, but it almost makes you like wonder if, you know, like they were looking for people who specifically had this condition uh, yeah, it's just just friggin' bonkers. And to add to all this, uh, the county in which the Roswell incident occurred, it's called Lincoln County, obviously New Mexico. You know, a few weeks and months after the uh, the Roswell incident, there uh, the people in the town began to be start getting sick. You know, they started to not feel well, throw up. And you know, the military had mentioned that you know, oh, it's probably just you guys need to clean up your water. Interestingly enough, something similar to Operation Paperclip happened for Japanese, a a, a Japanese uh, part of the Army. The U.S. government uh, pulled back this group called Unit 731, and it was a group in the Japanese Army that specialized in chemical warfare. So, to boot, not only were the the Nazi scientists performing all this rocket science, all this um, rocket technology, they had this Japanese uh, group who was, you know, specialized in chemical warfare and who was designing and creating and experimenting all of these sorts of uh, new chemicals, and that uh, they were getting into people's drinking uh, drinking water in this county, and this is why all these people were sick. Now, it wasn't just the U.S. that was uh, sending up weird shit uh, into the atmosphere and sp- into space in 1947. Mother Russia was also conducting test flights and uh, experiments, among other things. Now, I know I've been a little clip-heavy in this portion of the podcast, but this is the last one I'm going to play for now. Um, It's a clip from The Daily Show with our boy Jon Stewart, and he's interviewing an author named Annie Jacobson, who she was uh, promoting a book about the Roswell crash in Area 51. And uh, it's rather interesting.
1: It's not, the, the,
4: the story of the, the, obviously the famous story of the aliens that land in, in Roswell and they get uh, taken to Air 51, the story that you come up with in the book based on an eyewitness that you trust implicitly yes. is far crazier almost than aliens. Tell, tell us that story. Well, I'll preface it by saying this, that I,
1: I got a message from a conspiracy theorist group in, in the UK and they were very upset with me and said, even we don't believe you so uh, we don't believe you and we're nuts yeah (laughs) right
4: you believe that stalin sent a spacecraft to us in the 50s because they didn't have a nuclear bomb yet they thought they could do an orson welles type scare who was on the spacecraft
1: Well, there were some child-sized aviators, and that's what's most disturbing about my book. And I I hope you start at page one to get to the end, because... You really should, because you don't want to start with the disturbing part. (laughs) Like
4: someone I know did.
1: Uh, But it was in 1947 that Stalin sent this craft, and it really did land in New Mexico, according to my source, who received the equipment at area 51
4: and the two brothers that found this craft they were the uh, uh
1: well the two brother- brothers who designed it were designed it. former german aerospace they used to work for hitler as a lot of our scientists did very wrong right. sure right.
4: we all work for hitler oh. at some point
1: right on. they certainly did right but um the horton brothers created this flying disc originally for the third reich and then stalin stepped in and took away a lot of their scientists and the united states government took a lot of the third reich scientists for us and so what went on a lot of what went on at area 51 was this you know intense scientific pushing science to the great extreme and that's right. what i write about
4: so i
0: uh, definitely miss having uh, our buddy john stewart on the air side note this, uh, this lady, Amy Jacobson, is trying a little too hard to sound like Macy Gray, so it was throwing me off a little bit. But anywho, um, so I remember watching this clip back in college, and I was like, bruh, what the hell are these Russian people doing? Uh, setting up these little babies in uh, these um, spacecraft. I mean, they're putting like little baby Vladimir and little baby Dimitri up here and like, listen, take this shit over to the United States. And crash land this bad boy, and we're going to scare the hell out of everybody over there. So before we get to our conclusions, there is another there's another piece of info, another nugget of information that I want to drop on you peeps. Uh, so in 1995, uh, there was a cute little quote-unquote documentary that was released, and uh, I know I said I was finished playing clips, but I have two more quick clips that I'm going to play, and um, yeah, so here they are.
4: bodies go we can fast forward to about 1995 there's a london filmmaker by the name of ray santelli uh ray put out a film he called the alien autopsy film it was supposedly one of the autopsy films filmed by the government in the military the army back in july of 1947 to actually document uh this autopsy
0: so i'm watching this uh this documentary now the alien autopsy and uh let me just give you a quick little description. So, there's this uh, dead quote-unquote alien laying on the table. He's got a nice little pot belly, nice little full belly. And there's two scientists kind of him a nice little physical, you know, uh, checking, his, uh, checking the texture of his skin and whatnot. But if you notice, the alien's perfectly fine, but his right leg, it looks like, was mauled by some coked-out grizzly because there's huge chunks missing out. Um, and as you go further into the video, they then start dissecting his, his chest cavity and doing all this other shit, um, it's a little good, too good to be true. Spoiler, it's fake, dude. It's fake. This turd, Ray Santelli, thought he could pull a fast one and say that he had this crazy alien footage and fool us all, but, uh, guess what, buddy? It didn't work, dude. Uh, you freaking skid mark. So listen to uh, what he was trying to say.
4: Pass yeah, so over a bit. From there, uh, this Ray Santelli guy ends up basically, you know, saying that this video was faked and he faked it just to preserve the original film that he had seen years before. So yeah, this Ray Santelli guy basically comes out of the closet and says that hey, man, I faked this video, I faked the alien autopsy video in order to preserve the original video. And what's even more weird is he says that he put a few frames into the video he created of the original video in order to preserve that. And...
0: So there goes Ray Ray admitting that His documentary was a fake, but he did it out of the kindness of his heart to preserve the original footage. (laughs) Turd. Yeah, so this is one of the major problems in people who uh, like to study UFOs and like aliens and all this good stuff because so many people, you know, try to uh, make up these stories and perform these hoaxes to gain a little bit of attention. You know, it kind of makes all the real incidents and events get lost in the sauce and kind of takes credibility away from, you know, the real stuff that goes down, which is a wee bit annoying because obviously we have, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast last week where, you know, the government has admitted that they have found off-world vehicles. So there's definitely something there. there it's definitely not all these hillbilly farmers that swear that they saw a cow abducted on their yard. There is definitely a real uh, phenomenon going on here. But getting through the nitty gritty and the BS, it 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 gets frustrating. And two, a lot of the documentaries, uh, I use documentaries, you know, in quotations about, um, you know, aliens and UFOs, uh, they're they're not the highest quality. You know, a lot of them are kind of corny. But I love them all. I love them dearly. You know, the cornier, the crappier, the more it is up my alley. So there's definitely a um, a production issue with you know producing most of these documentaries. So it's another thing too why uh, people don't really necessarily want to take it seriously because you know like in the in, like the documentary that I was pulling um, clips from, you know they were interviewing this one lady in a library and they and they left a little cough in there. Uh, here it is.
1: Um, the controversy. <coughs> Excuse me controversy
0: kind of grew it was just a little baby sneeze but um you know it's just little things like that that you know sometimes get on my nerves but at the same time it's kind of what makes me love these cheesy documentaries now obviously there's documentaries that are about UFOs and aliens that have a little higher but uh, production value and I will definitely be uh, tackling these but for now I think it's time we we wrap up this little podcast, our first journey together. And uh, let's go into um, the conclusions. Oh my god, dude, that music gets me so freaking pumped, Alrighty, so here's what I think happened in the Roswell Desert in 1947. To me, I think it was some high-end, super-classified uh, government experiment that ended up crashing. Um, I do not think it was alien. I don't think it was extraterrestrial. Given the fact that we have two examples of humans being used as guinea pigs for these experimental aircrafts, uh, it doesn't shock me that when, you know, body- body remains are found, they don't look humanly, well it's because they just crashed from frickin' space. So of course they're gonna be all mangled and whatnot. And of course, this wet fart of a human being, Ray telly who tried to push off his documentary that he claimed he had legitimate footage of the alien autopsy, only to then recant his statement, claiming that it was fake. And the only reason he made it fake was because he wanted to preserve the original footage. Um, you know, I'm not buying it, Ray Ray. So what do you guys think happened? Was it a UFO crash, or was it a experiment done by the military that went bad that went awry uh drop a dm in uh, the paranormal pancakes podcast and tell me what you think and that's that that's the end of the uh, first episode uh if you're still with me thank you uh i know the episode was a little scatterbrained was a little bit all over the place i'm trying to get a little more organized um but it was cool. It was fun. Um, you know, definitely want to do a couple more of these. And not just, you know, UFO and aliens and whatnot. Want to do stuff about Bigfoot, werewolves, any sort of paranormal shit. You name it. Fuck it. Let's do it, bruh. Uh, so yeah. I hope you guys uh, didn't hate it. hope you guys kind of liked it. Maybe did a little giggle over here and there. And keep an eye out for uh, the next episode. Uh, so to close us out... Gonna tack on another one of uh, Abuse Little Jams, and uh, I'll see you next time, peeps. Bye!